or not? Man, our best way to find out is to get her out on the ocean, Kitty. Anything's gonna happen, it's gonna happen out there. Back to school. Prove to dad I'm not a fool. Beautiful. Should have harmonized with you. Yeah. Welcome back, Presentation Nation. This is the podcast where we're thinking about presentations and we're talking about them. And we are talking about a really cool presentation today with none other than Mikey Maduski, my co-host, my inspiration, and my and my friend. That's right. <laughs> Mikey. You're, you've been here before. Molly, do you want my job? That's a better intro than I've ever done. <laughs> no, I don't think presentation so. Presentation Thinking Podcast. Less no, is I still more, got you it. Know? Less is more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so cool. excited to talk about this episode because you went back to college this week. Yeah, I loved college. I still love college. So getting the chance to go back <laughs> and uh, get all nostalgic and think about what do I want to tell the future generation of marketers and business people and doctors and scientists and leaders, you know? Right. Um, or what do I want to go tell past me from all the crap I've, all the mistakes I've made along the way? And hey, here's a little quick tip, you know, here's some things you could maybe avoid or... I was going to say, surely there was some shenanigan memory lane time. <laughs> yeah, I tried to not go too too deep into that. Okay, okay, yeah. And to be clear, Mikey was asked to return. He wasn't just going to <laughs> going to wander yeah. around, which is something that uh, I think my uncle did around the frat house there for a while. Um, but yeah, but yeah, tell us more. Tell us more. Why did All you... Right. What happened? Okay. I went to a, a very tiny, tiny liberal arts school in central Indiana called DePaul University, which is confusing because I know you went to DePaul up in Chicago, but this one, DePaul with a W, yeah. not many people have heard of it. Tigers? Go Tigers. Yep. Yeah. My pops had gone there. You know, he rode the, the Greyhound bus down from Gary, Indiana, and he was the first in his family ever to go to college. And So cool. You know, and so like growing up, you know, hearing, I mean, he just, he loves college. He loved DePaul, his experience. And, you know, it, it really transformed who he was and met so many great people. And so when we were growing up, you know, of course, like you want to go anywhere but where your parents went. So, but like the more we would go visit, the more it felt like, man, it's like a, this Midwest vibe. There's like big old deciduous trees. It's a, a cute little campus. And uh, sure enough, that's where my brother ended up. And I followed suit a couple years later. And they had this, um, I always thought like I was leaning toward business. I, I knew I was not going to do anything like in the sciences or health space. I'd get pretty, uh, sick to my stomach if I saw like a bloody nose or something, you know what I mean? And, and I was just like, no thought, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. No, like uh, business seems really cool and, and wide open. There's so many things you can do and they didn't have a business school, but they had this honors program called the management fellows. That was really cool because for the program, you know, you had to take so many econ classes and uh, you could still major in whatever you want uh, as it is still liberal arts, but focus on economics. But then you had this like lunch series where they'd bring in really cool speakers. They'd they put you through the ringer to do workshops on like, you know, how to prep your resume, how to, how to do interviews and, and guide you through mock interviews. And then I, it kind of culminated in a junior semester internship 
so they sort of like guaranteed to place you as long as you were meeting cool. all the credentials they were going to place you in a in a paid internship your junior year one of the semesters yeah and so that was like cool because they told these awesome stories of this fellow we know rj tallier he did his in london and people do like one person did one at a motorcycle shop and a lot of people go to like eli Lilly or you know accenture mm-hmm. or, uh th- some of these big cool places and so yeah, uh, you hear those stories and that's sort of what you're looking forward to during the whole time as you're, you're building up uh, toward that that big moment at your uh, junior year as a mofo. That's really cool. And especially pre-LinkedIn or just kind of at the cusp of yeah. LinkedIn, I think those those groups were so valuable, like kind of networking clubs. And you see this all the time on the internet now on like different Slack groups, but basically a resource sharing group and a opportunity for yep. people to learn from each other. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So yeah, they, they, um, management fellows, there's that, but then within DePaul too, there's also this club that has started since like 2019 called the, the marketing group. And so this is students who are interested in marketing, which I'm, I'm jealous. Cause if that was around when I was there, I for sure would have been in it. And so props to them. They reached out to see, yeah, if I'd come talk about what it's like to work in marketing, maybe different career options that you could take. Because as you and I know, marketing means a lot of different things. There's a thousand ways you could slice that and and um, find a career doing something creative. And so I took the chance to uh, to package up a little little presentation about what I've learned along the way. And, and, and then I tried to make sure I did cover like some of the different facets of, of marketing because, you know, as we know, there's like an analytical side, there's the data, there's there's in-house, there's agency side, B2B, B2C. Uh, so I wanted to talk about who I, the type of people and the type of marketers I've run into over the years. And it was just really fun to, to put together. What was your reaction when they first asked you? Were you excited or intimidated by the idea of going to talk to college students? Molly, this, I forgot this little detail. <laughs> it's like, this was supposed to happen March, 2020. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And coming. so I was like starting to work on it. And, uh, and, you know, we had a date picked like later in March and then they're like, er, you know, not yeah. happening. So this was oh, man. two, two and a half years in the making. And, and so finally, like this new, um, the presidents of the marketing group hit me up a couple months ago to see if I could pick back up where we left off. And so, yeah, I've had a little bit of time to marinate on this, but the ideas that I kept arriving to were similar, which was when I was in the management fellows a lot of the focus was on, again, like I said, economics was the main classwork that you took. And then a lot of the lectures and a lot of the internships were pointing you toward, I guess, like banking. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know, like venture capital. Um, finance. Yeah, stuff. finance. And I just felt, I told the students this, like I felt like Tom Hanks in big wearing that suit that's like two times, you know, like I'd have to like play the game and I would dress up in a, in a suit and go to these luncheons and these interviews and these, you know, mock interviews and stuff. And, and I would apply because like, yeah, KPMG, you know, in New York city sounded like a cool experience. And, you know, I was this ratty haired swimmer. Um, I probably have, I didn't even know if I wore shoes to half these interviews, you know, I was like, <laughs> I was clearly like the, the one that I think the director of that program was like, what are we going to do about Maduski? You know? Um, cause I kept telling him, I was like, uh, I was like, you know, I, I, I did not get any of those internships. I was like, I was not selected, but everyone kept getting placed. And I was like, what's wrong with me? You know, I was like, I don't know, Aww. man, I, I might get one of these. And then um, college Mike. Yeah. And he was, I kept telling him like, I want to do something creative. And I, I just had a hard time articulating what that meant. Yeah. But I, I knew there's, there has to be like creative careers out there. Right. And, 
like marketing, marketing. I think that's what I hear is is the creative field. And so, yeah, it was just there, there wasn't anything like there. But something that changed my life was and I said, look, look, there's a couple of things that are real. You hear about it. And being in the right place at the right time is a real thing. And I, I just serendipitously lucked into something that happened when um, a DePaul alumni was the president of a little video game publisher called Activision. And she called Gary Lemon, the management fellow director, and said, hey, um, yeah, I think we need an intern for brand management. And I was like the last one left, you know. So I absolutely right place, right time. Things work out for a reason, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, so I got called in. He said, hey, like, so I just had to do like a 15 minute, you know, phone call with her. She just needed to know mm-hmm. I was a real person. She said, hey, <laughs> do you want to come to uh, Santa Monica and, you know, work for us? I said, yep. And that was it. And so that was the first leg of the story that I told the students about working in brand management and, mm-hmm. you know, understanding what that meant and then why and how I guess that led me to realize that, okay, yeah, there's an art and a science to marketing, right? My time there, I was, was spent pulling numbers and porting them into spreadsheets. And every Monday morning, we would review how many units of Tony Hawk sold at Walmart and Target and GameStop <laughs> yeah. and, you know, the new Spider-Man game. Like, how's that track in its first week of the launch and yada, yada. And it was, it was epic. Uh, but I was truly... I was doing that grunt work. I was making copies. I was working in spreadsheets, but getting exposure to some of the best marketers, brand managers in the world, like that's not hyperbole. This one guy, Byron, and the team was there for the launch of Call of Duty, which at the time was like, okay, it's a shooter game. It's a war game, right? Mm -hmm. Now we know, I mean, it's in the world, it's in the Guinness Book of World Records, as like the best all-time selling shooter game, I think. or oh, And it's wow. also like the number one franchise ever, like US-based video game franchise. So, I mean... And a household name kind of video game. I worked yeah. with the brand managers who who launched that and ran wow. it to into the the like his record setter that it was. So wow. looking back, I was like, holy crap, I was up in that. And yeah, so just very, very grateful and crazy that I, that I had a, yeah, a time over there during that. So cool. I did not know that at all. And um, I'm picturing you, <laughs> you're talking about the last last one left. I'm picturing you showing up to these interviews, going straight from the pool to the interview, just dripping water. Oh, yeah, and yeah. you're like, hey, I'm just, I'm just an artsy guy. <laughs> well, you know how it is. Like during the season, mm-hmm. you grow your, you just like let it all grow because then toward the end, you like shave it off so that you're faster, you know, during the, uh, our taper, right? Um, yeah, the taper. Yeah. So I was just a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, it's hard to know what a creative marketing career would look like if you don't if you don't know what that that is. Yeah, I was surrounded by dentists, you know. Yeah, yeah like I yeah. just didn't know about that stuff. Yeah, Mikey comes from a family of dentists, so that was yeah. different. <laughs> okay, so then, yeah, who did yeah who did you need to hear from, and how how did you how did that influence you prepping for this presentation? Yeah, like so at at Activision, two things happened that sort of I think formulated what happened next. And, or at least like in looking back, they, they sort of like were this weird sign or an insight. One of them, one day we had to like record footage of a video game and of part of my job, which is ridiculous, was like competitive analysis. So they're like, hey, um, Maduski, will you take these video games and go play them and, and tell us what's up? And so like at night I would take these competitor titles and, and play them and just kind of tell them what, what it's like. So then we walked across the street one day because we had to capture some footage from some of those video games. 
And we walk into this studio, like we walk across Ocean Park Boulevard, go into this little business. And there, there's this person there, this guy who had this equipment that he had invested in and helped them, these brand managers, get that footage for like video for some commercials or for some at least internal research kind of stuff. So that took a couple hours. We walked back. And as we're crossing the street again, like one of the brand managers tells me like, yeah, that guy, Tim, who owns that studio, he used to work at Activision and he used to drive like a Honda. And uh, <laughs> and now Rags to riches, Activision's baby. his biggest client and he's driving a Jaguar, you know, and like <laughs> I don't care about cars or anything like that. But what perked me up about that was like, OK, like this dude's an entrepreneur and you can actually like if you can like work in house somewhere and you, if you do it right and you're like this Seth Godin-esque linchpin that everyone needs and or you've you've discovered something, you can do something that nobody else can at that spot you might just be setting yourself up to go out on your own. And I think it was more the autonomy that appealed to me because, yeah, this getting that experience to a big, huge company, it was very office space. Like, it's as cool as it gets, right? There's there's posters of video games. There's skateboards everywhere. I got to meet Tony Hawk, but it's still a big corporate environment with cubicles, right? Versus this, like, crafty little studio that this dude runs. He gets to come in when he wants, blah, blah, blah. That was cool to me. And then um, shortly after that, there was a, a creative ad agency that came in and pitched these concepts, mood boards, and like storyboards for this like Tony Hawk commercial. So they came in, they're dressed cool, they're like these hip LA, you know, creatives. And that's when I realized, all right, I need to go into advertising instead of pursuing like the more maybe like market research side of marketing. And from there, that was it. And and I guess, you know, I went on in the presentation to talk about then how did I then like fake my way in and develop a portfolio and yada, yada, one thing leads to the next. But like what I tried to just tell them is like, there's a, there's a Jack Johnson quote from this song. I really like what you thought you need. The quote is getting lost is not a waste of time. Right. And it, and it's especially true if you're at least like observant along the way, because a lot of us could be, you know, if you're exploring, you're out there wandering around, if you're not like noticing your surroundings, then you are just kind of spinning in circles. But if you are like <laughs> observant and you do have this North Star, like mine was, I want to do something creative. You know, Molly, yours was like, I want to write maybe. And and if you are at least like you're exploring, you're trying stuff out, as long as you're paying attention along the way, you should stumble into the next insight that leads you to the next thing. And if you make a habit of that, you, you should be able to create yourself like a niche, uh, an opportunity, find and create your dream job. So uh, that was that was the that was the gist. That's where I tried to like Todd Henry style, like bring it all together. Was mm-hmm. was around this post these three posters in my daughter's room. It's like these badass women of history. The first is uh, Sakajuiwa, and it says explore. The second one is Jane Goodall, and it says observe. And the fourth one is um, Frida, uh, and it says create. And so I yeah. I kind of like told them, look, this is the process, right? get out there, you know, as, as Captain Ron says, you know, if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen out there. So like, don't be afraid to shove off and, and just like explore. So if you're curious, like stay curious and follow that hunch, but you have to observe. And so explore, observe. And then once you observe, you start to be able to connect dots, you know, and that's where those insights will inform what you can create. And again, you can't create something meaningful if you don't have that unique insight that you've keenly observed from your curiosity. So yeah, I tried to bring it together in this like boom, 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 um, Trinity 
that becomes this cycle, you know, that you repeat as you keep expanding and contracting throughout your career. I think I was getting close to something like snapping over here. My red thread was close, but like, I think I conflated so many different things like that and tried to shove too much in. But like, I think we're close to something like maybe toward that, you know, we talk about like, we want to be on this TED Talk track. We want to get there. The road to the TED Talk. Dun, dun, dun. I I don't know how I can bring that together to an 18 minute spiel, but I think uh, explore, observe and create might be sort of like something I want to keep pulling on. Okay. I love that. Oh, the poster bit was beautiful. Did you say that in the presentation? You had. The I have poster? a picture of it. Yeah. 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 I think that's a perfect way to like, you're like, here's the brief connection. It's a visual and bringing it back to like kind of a kid's thing, like really yeah. simple and three pillars, power of threes. That's perfect. I was going to ask, was this your first like quote unquote inspirational kind yeah. of talk? I mean, not that they fully explicitly asked you to do this. It's like right. you come in as a successful person running your business. You were a management fellow. So it's a perfect like show and tell. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, was this kind of the first talk where, yeah, you felt like you're like, this is a bit like motivational. Kind of like, yeah. And I, I had a hard time with that myself looking back to see three things. Am I talking about myself too much? Because mm-hmm. I tried to show I wanted to show how crappy my student work and my ideas were at the time (laughs) and yet like still faked my way into getting into like a master's program for advertising design. Right. And so like to, to counter that, I did try to introduce stories of other marketers as well Mm -hmm. that I've met along the way. So the other one was, is it too, as you said, like motivational, inspiring, too lofty and not tactical enough? I don't know if I quite achieved that, but yeah, like I did try Leanna Patches, like, is this useful to the audience? And I, I really did try to orient it Cause like when I was in their shoes, I really cared about career. I wanted to know like, what are my options? Like, how do I get the good, the cool one? And so I, I tried to talk a lot about different pathways and introduce like, look, y'all there's B2B, there's B2C, there's in-house, there's agency side. And, and so I think based on the questions afterward, it was like, should I go to a small company or a big company or should I try in-house or do you recommend going agency side? And so I think there was... I don't know. I think enough in there that they were hopefully enough tactical stuff that they could actually go and implement, hopefully. But that's the thing is like you have this group of young management fellows is what it's called. And like that's, as we've said, you can slice marketing a thousand different ways. So even if your exact creative spin of like that's exactly what you wanted at the time, you know, didn't appeal to 100 percent of the people, the students in the audience, Mm -hmm. hopefully it appealed to maybe... 20 of them out of the 40 or something, right? It's like, like, it's not supposed to be, there are some people that are like, no, I'm just, I'm going to go into finance. I'm going into investment banking, whatever it is. Uh And so that maybe wasn't the right thing, but it doesn't hurt to also hear different perspectives to, of different experiences. And even though you're talking about yourself, you're sharing your story, part of the presentation that makes it real. And that's something that we consistently say is sharing those anecdotes with Mm -hmm. some element of an arc and then connecting those dots, like starting to pull at that is such a good practice. So here we are, yeah. road to the TED Talk, Boom. doing it, you know? Yeah. And how did <laughs> how did it feel like, yeah, prep, uh, yeah. we talked about it, another oh, yeah. of your presentations for the Mira Awards a couple months back, and we talked about the presentation taper strategy. And I'm curious uh-huh. if you did any kind of similarity there reminding Presentation Nation what that's all yeah. about. This one I, I'd call more the presentation procrastination um, method where okay. I had to 
We two years. <laughs> couple <laughs> th- yeah, okay. <laughs> two years of prep. All right, it's it's been in my head. Let's just say I I marinate. I I meditated on this. Like I would go to. I was like, oh my gosh, I have this presentation next week. I haven't really, you know, I've given our history like chat enough at Ghost Ranch, but I just didn't want to ma- make it a Ghost Ranch thing. But I was like, all right. I need to at least like sleep on this. And so like at night, and this is going to sound insane, but at night in bed, like if I was just laying there, I would start to just talk through like in my head, plan it out. And I think that is something I learned back in the days of swimming when you're just like doing lap after lap and you're just like so bored that you started, you know, back then I'd start to plan out the essay I have to write right after this that's due in the morning. Um, And so, yeah, I, I just put my mind to work and I would like try to get it going so that maybe subconsciously I was thinking about it that night throughout the night and then I'd have a shower thought in the morning I'm like oh yeah like <laughs> it's starting to come together so then like Sunday my lovely wife was amazing enough to give me the day <laughs> so I, I Sunday went to the office and put my head down for like I, I want to say like six hours and just built oh, this dang. presentation yeah. yeah and so it was more of a jam and then I have Monday off to sort of like that's when I did my little design freeze you know maybe put a revisited a few times but yeah, I did do that little pause and uh, so that it felt a little fresh. And then what I noticed is like, this is the first time I've given an in-person presentation in years, right? Yeah. Other than to like Ghost Ranch, but. Okay, yeah. This, yeah, in front of people. And I was like, not an ounce of nerve. I, I was just like really excited because I think, so maybe that's, that means I need to talk to kids more because or students, you know, because it was, I was just excited and, and really like. Yeah wanted to hear what their interests are. So I, I did spend the first like five, 10 minutes just like opening, like calling on people, just to be like, what, you know, like, is any, does anybody have their internship dialed in? You know, what are your majors? And kind of like getting a feel for the room before yeah. I really started the my monologue. And that's such a good tool in that kind of setting when- Yeah, there's only like 20, 25 kids, yeah. And they probably know each other. They've probably done a couple of group projects together. And mm-hmm. so it's nice for them to be able to share- what they're about with you before yeah. you get started so you can kind of build some camaraderie there yeah. i like that um i can see you being a professor of presentations come on totally <laughs> totally work. isn't that what this podcast is for we're, that's we're, yeah yeah, yeah exactly. we're course planning. aka professors of presentation <laughs> yeah totally yeah. Yeah. and like as far as yeah building building out the deck and knowing that it was going to be for students yeah. were you like i'm going to wow them with like how cool this can be on powerpoint you know was that <laughs> were you thinking about that you, of course i wanted to show up right yeah they, no i don't know i had some cool morph moves in there it was very visual i think i heard someone say never seen anything like that you know afterward to <laughs> one of their classmates well, I've never seen anything oh, like yeah. that. Just, uh, just the feedback you need. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I knew this would be the weirdest presentation they've ever seen. So I was, I'm proud of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You want to be memorable in that way for sure. Yeah. Especially as I think you were maybe so even subconsciously trying to position yourself. You're like, I'm going to be. You're the creative person that's come to talk sure. to them. Like they've they've heard from like the big the big wigs and the Accenture uh-huh. and kind of the like quote unquote canned you know, dare yeah. I say templated, templated yeah. decks. So who knows, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how comfortable all the like PWC consultants are talking to college kids, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's fun oh. to feel excited too. Yeah. yeah. Cause you said you were nervous for Mira, the Mira awards. Yeah. I was very nervous for that one. Mm-hmm. And this was just so different. I would do that. This would be fun to talk to students. Okay. So putting on a call careers. presentation nation, if you have yeah. an academic or in elementary, as we, we just 
talk to Lindsay, who talked to some second graders. And right, uh, you know, if there's a if there's a school connection out there that you'd like kids to come learn about presentations, mm-hmm. they need to hear it from a creative professional who runs a business. We we have some we have someone available. Yeah, Mike. and half of this stuff was like. All right, like you can't tell your parents I told you this, <laughs> you know, like kind of like a, <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff where it's like, this is potentially horrible advice. So I, I just had to like <laughs> yeah. preface everything with that, right? Right, right. Yeah, be like, this worked for me because yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. went out on a limb and hoped for the best. <laughs> your mileage may vary. <laughs> that, that's fair. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Objects in the mirror. <laughs> was um, moving out to Santa Barbara with the, um, Activision, your first encounter with like, was that the surf, your introduction to surfing? Yeah. Um, so nice. the, I, okay. this kid, a year older than me, Ben Van Dam, BBD, he gave me a surfboard. Like, ran, he like had a surfboard. He's like, yeah, take it out there, man. And uh, I had always wanted to learn how to surf. And then when I got there, it was Santa Monica. And this awesome kid from my hometown was going to Pepperdine at the time up in Malibu. So like 20, 30 minute drive west Malibu. I mean, so yeah, Ed, he taught me how to surf. He had all these extra like longboards and he took me to the surf shop to get a wetsuit and I was just like hooked from there. And there was a guy, Ted Chi, who I'd, I'd surf with at Activision before work a lot, some days. And I would go out by myself all the time. There's a couple other management fellows who were out there for a media fellows internship, like doing Hollywood stuff. And then on the last day, uh, the director of the, of the global brand management team, this guy, Will, who lived in Malibu, he took me out. Um, and like, I spent my last day of the internship out there surfing Malibu with you know, this like head honcho guy. And it was, it was just the whole experience was unbelievable. So yeah, just so glad, like I got kind of shoved out of the nest and yeah, you know, had the, you know, the encouragement and support from my, my folks to go do that. Yeah. When I met you and we started work, first started working on Ghost Ranch, surfing was like integral to your identity. So, you know, uh, that's, and I'm that's, not even a good, you know, and I'm like a, yeah, a very cool. like scared, I'm like, I call myself a small wave surfer, you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I live in, Indiana, but I, yeah. I'm obsessed with surfing. So I just watch a lot of surf movies, right? And then when I take trips, I'm like, eh, it looks a little big. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I'm a timid but obsessed surfer. It's a cool, yeah, no, it's a cool thing. Did you grow up skiing and, or snowboarding? Skiing and then got into snowboarding. Because uh, I think, yeah, people yeah, always say the snowboarding and surfing connection is real. Yeah, so. yep. it's real, Molly. All right. I think it's time with that, as we're chatting about hobbies and such, we open up the spice cabinet of this college yeah. fact the future episode <laughs> and i'm needing to know and i have some suspicions what was did people call you mike or mikey in college or michael mikey's always followed me right because i mm-hmm. you get to a point as a mikey where you're like all right i'm going to middle school i'm gonna get like bullied if i go by mikey and so i was like and then I'm mike and then but then your friends are like you're mikey and then so yeah, same yeah, deal like fun. high school i'm gonna be mike and then Mikey and then college. So yeah, I was like, but there's like in Indiana during the eighties, parents only named their children, Michael or Matthew. <laughs> and so like yeah. everyone in my For dorm was Matt or Mike, <laughs> you know? And, and so everyone either went by their last name or, you know, my, my roommate, Matt Ogle was just like, he heard like a voice message from my mom or my aunt or something. Hi, Mikey. You know? And so he's like, yeah. wait, you're, you're a Mikey, man. Just like, and so, you know how it, it just kind of follows you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what was college Mikey's walk-up song? If you were to, if you were to return to campus as your former self, yeah, what yeah, are you yeah, walking yeah. around to? Okay. During the swimming days, um, Rage Against the Machine is one like you'd, you'd listen to pre, 
like before an event, right? For me. So I would probably have said Down Rodeo from Evil Empire. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. that's a hype track. Or and then, it's funny how then your music tastes evolve. And like, uh, oh gosh, there's one from Fish Farmhouse, uh, which you wouldn't think like that's a good walkout song. But actually a lot of people choose this one because it's like got this like just amazing um, kind of build up. And I think it's First Tube from Fish is a awesome, like the, the opener. You hear it, Molly? There it is. Yep, there it is. Yep, perfect. Yeah. I was wondering if there's any jam band in you. Yeah, I got a healthy dose. I that. know there's the 90s R&B uh-huh. uh, like, or rap and hip hop. Yeah. Um, so on that, but really Outkast, um, it was like in college when I, I got just obsessed with Outkast and, and Spody Odie Dopalicious. That's when I decided that's my my anthem. Like, I would love yeah. to stroll Which out anytime and make people listen to the whole thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. And to this day, could you imagine you, you stroll out in the first 30 seconds, then you just stand on stage while it finishes? <laughs> yeah, while the horns come in. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Molly, have you... Oh, it's my God. Strategy. I've been obsessed lately hook. with Rick Rubin. He's got this, like, four-part docuseries called Shangri-La. If you have the means, I doubt you have Showtime, but, like, if you do, it's free. But otherwise, it's worth, like, the five bucks on Amazon Prime or whatever. It's every... Like, it's amazing. I mean, every artist that I ever love has some kind of interaction with Rick Rubin yeah. and I think you've mentioned this Shangri-La thing so we're yeah we'll plug that in the Spice Cabinet yeah. I do Check not have out. Showtime but you know you can share All your right. password or something yeah. the presentation yeah, maybe I could uh, <laughs> wait no <laughs> <laughs> and okay so what and then what's one thing I have visited DePaul in Greencastle Indiana and I think I would describe it as like anyone outside of the United States gets dropped off there, yeah. they would feel like they're in a American movie about college. Cause it just is yeah. that quintessential campus feeling like people throwing Frisbee on the quad and <laughs> a funny, a greasy little burger shack down the yeah. street kind of yeah. thing. And, um, yeah. What's one thing people need to know about DePaul if they visit. Okay. <laughs> Megan says, I shouldn't say this. Um, but like about Indiana in general is like, there's not as many distractions here. So like at a, tiny town in Indiana, the fact that there's not a big mall to go to or a fan, you know, like it's pretty limited. And so it's this, so you create your own fun, basically, like everything is self-contained on that campus. And for that reason, the camaraderie, the closeness was pretty unique. And, and so everything just happens right there mm-hmm. in the parties, the, the social events, yada, yada. It's insular. Yeah. It's insular big time. And so you don't re- learn any real world you know, skills. Like when I went to grad school, then these, you know, I met these like East coast kids who were like, what? You know, I didn't know they were so much further in real life knowledge and street smarts, Yeah, but yeah. like, You're you like, know, I don't use a bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was too sheltered at DePaul, but, um, I'd say like the one thing, if you ever stumble into Greencastle, Indiana, go out to the Prindle Institute of Ethics. It's built out on this rock quarry and, DePaul eventually grabbed that land as and turned it into like this nature preserve. And I can't like overstate just how unreal that asset is to the university and the students who go there. And it's just this LEED certified building that's built out in nature. It is just unbelievable. But like we'd love to somehow host a retreat there or something like that because it's really a place you could go focus and calm down and, and try to like bring a team there to try to brainstorm or work on a presentation or something. Um, 
we've taken a team there to to work with Brindle on a workshop, but yeah, we we're dying to get back. It's that's so it's unreal. Cool. Yeah. yeah, and it's great to have amazing places to focus on campus. So I mean, that's such a valuable resource <laughs> yeah. to universities, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but that's really yeah. cool. And then any like to throw in the spice cabinet, yeah, any resources you left these young impressionable minds with, like things they could go check out on LinkedIn or anything like that. Did you tell them to go listen to the podcast? No, I didn't. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I said, "Here's what I said: If you want to go into marketing, there's one person you need to read. It's Seth Godin, and okay, find good. his books, read them, and that's it. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. obviously, you're gonna you're gonna stumble into other stuff. But Molly was like, "It's that's funny." Like I the other day, my phone just turned on, and like when I get into the car, it's got a Bluetooth thing, and so it just starts playing some random crap from my iTunes library. I don't listen to iTunes ever, so it's like weird old stuff. And I had this old recording of something called um, The Big Moo, which was like a Seth Godin audiobook, a collection from all these different business people. And it's like essays, right? And Oh, I haven't heard of that. And it just started playing. And, and he was talking about being remarkable. And uh, like there's marketing and then there's remarkable marketing, which is like something that gets commented on and it's noteworthy, right? And he's like, don't do marketing, do remarkable marketing or whatever. And it was just so weird and timely and um, another one of those things. But I was like, I forgot about Seth Godin. Like, if you're mm-hmm. starting, you have to read this dude. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. that's so helpful. I remember, um, I think, I don't know if it was you that introduced it to me, but my first job in Chicago was advertising and I his books were lying around the office. And mm-hmm. that was, yeah, integral to similar, as you said, where it's like, I don't know if this is the best advice, but it's like kind of makes you think that you can go off on your own and do anything. If you find something that's irreplaceable, like an irreplaceable service or a unique um, spin on something, like just go, just go do it until you find the right audience. Right. And (laughs) it'll find you eventually. Like you said, with the Jaguar guy. Right. And and Gildan's all about like, hey, if you're going to try to be everything to everyone, you are nothing. Or nothing. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. If you highlight everything, then you highlight nothing. Ah. As Lindsay said, to take a quote. She did. Yeah, that's great. Oh my gosh, Mikey, what an inspiration for these, the future of, of you Thank know, you. marketing you. and yeah. the future of <laughs> the workforce and will shape the landscape. We will, you know, be talking about on the, on the podcast for years to come. Really cool. Hey, I don't know about all that, but it was fun. And Molly, you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. you're really good at leading the show. So it's a, it's a pleasure. It was a, yeah. You it was filled their time. On. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That was great. Um, and how long did how long was that presentation? It was about a fifty-five minute window, and window. I think I took like I cut it short. I think at forty-five minutes because we start we got a later start, let people trickle in. I think I went. I probably rambled for forty minutes and then decided to to just like open up for questions. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking about it. This has been another installment of our road to the TED talk. <laughs> I kind of want like a chariots of fire like to yeah, thanks, well. yeah, soon enough, it will be a TED talk that people will be talking about in class and we'll be talking about on the podcast. So yeah, cool. nice. Molly, thanks a ton. Presentation peeps. Keep on pitching. Presentation nation. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time. Bye.